Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue podcast, the show all about the media industry in Canada. Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Sean Smith. On this edition of the podcast, the latest thinking around audience targeting. David Allison is a Vancouver-based speaker, author, and brand strategist. His forthcoming fourth book, We Are All the Same Age Now, is about value graphics, the concept that human values are as relevant or even more so than demographics in defining the target audience for any product, service, or brand. Here he is now. David, welcome to the podcast. Sean, thank you very much. I'm really happy to be here. Hey, man, let's talk marketing and marketing insofar as it relates to media and advertising like you. I believe we're absolutely in the post-demographics era. And while it's still about demographics, there's something deeper at play. And as a marketer, I'm wondering how you knew that the demographic era was over. Wow, that's actually a really interesting story. Um, I had my own marketing and uh, advertising agency for for, uh, a little bit over 10 years. We specialized in real estate development, and my new business uh, plan at the time was to write books uh, and then get up on stages and talk about those books in full of uh, rooms full of people who are potential clients. So the previous book, I'd, the book I just written, had been about baby boomers moving from their homes in the uh, in the single-family homes in the suburbs into more multifamily environments in in uh, more dense urban nodes. So I had baby boomers on the brain, and this was at that moment when we all started seeing all those articles about millennials and how mm-hmm. millennials are these rare unicorns in the enchanted forest that we have to, you know, change the entire world for. And it was getting a little annoying. And the more I read about them, the more I realized that they're actually exactly the same people, many of them, as the boomers I had just written a book about. The overlap in what they were worried about, what their values, what their wants and needs and expectations were, was remarkable. So I set about trying to figure out if we could build condo buildings uh, specifically for um, uh, nobody for specific like age age uh, agnostic condo buildings, and the data so strong that nobody wanted to live anybody anywhere near anybody the same age they all wanted to live by people who shared their values interesting and that made me think why would it be just about condos why wouldn't it be about clothing and restaurants and vacations and banking so we went out and we did an initial wave of 40,000 surveys across North America and we found out that indeed uh, values are as much as eight times stronger as a way to profile an audience for anything than these outdated demographic stereotypes that we rely on in our boardrooms all over the place still today. Now tell me about values. What, what exactly um, are the kinds of values we're talking about here? Well, it's a basic uh, precept of the worlds of sociology and psychology and consumer behavior that this, this one sentence is what this is all focused on. This is the sentence. What we value determines what we do. So all of those fields of scientific inquiry have a list of values that they use, and they all argue amongst each other a little bit about what should be on the list and what isn't. But we went through them all, and we kind of came up with a list of 40 core human personal values, things like trust, loyalty, relationships, love, uh, unity, uh, the environment, just things that are drive people, things that are core to who people are. And if you know what those values are, how they stand on all those different issues, you kind of have uh, a bit of a psychological and emotional blueprint 
of who these human beings are. And so what we've done is we've figured out the first way using a big data tool to apply those sorts of values profiles to an entire target audience instead of just one-on-one. Sean, I could give you a Myers-Briggs test and figure out what your values are. One-on-one is easy. Doing it for a whole target audience has never happened before. ENTJ, by the way. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so how how do you move that uh, research, I guess, into a broadcast environment? Well, you know, I I don't pretend to know as much about broadcast as anybody listening to this will ever uh, will ever know. But um, the um, what I understand about the broadcast industry is we're st- it's still incredibly driven by demographic definitions, not only from a programming perspective, but also from an advertising sales perspective. So I am imagining a boardroom of people sitting around at a particular radio station or television station and saying to themselves, you know, we're focused on 18 to 24 year old males or this program or this, this station is about uh, uh, baby boomers who, uh, um, you know, uh, have household income of, of X and, and are married. And then this is the same as every other industry. We take that information and we start to make stuff up. We go, well, if that's who we're talking to, then obviously they like orange. uh, And this is the kind of thing we should design for them. These are the shows they're going to want to watch. They're going to find this funny. They're not going to find that funny. Uh, They're going to enjoy this music and not that music. And what our statistics have shown across 75,000 surveys which is the number we're up to now from that initial 40,000, mm-hmm. uh, is, is that people based on age and these sort of outdated demographic stereotypes have nothing in common with each other. Shockingly low numbers of uh, or, or percentage of agreement around the 380 different metrics in our database. So I'll give you a couple of quick stats if you let me continue to ramble here sure. for a second. Uh, If you look at just the baby boomers across 75,000 surveys and the 380 different things that we've tested, these 40 core values and another 340 questions just about life in general, baby boomers only agree with each other, I hope you're sitting down, 13% of the time. Yikes. So 87% of the time, baby boomers disagree about everything that it means to be alive and be a human being in the, in the contemporary era. And yet we sit in boardrooms and go, let's target baby boomers. How? You're wasting 87% of your, of your financial, human resources, your time, and your money. Now let's go to millennials because they're our favorite group to, to pick on these days. Millennials managed to beat the baby boomers out by two whole points. They agree <laughs> with each other 15% of the time. And if I read one more article about how we have to change our human relations policies, our compensation packages, our products, our services, our radio stations for millennials, when they disagree with each other 85% of the time on everything that it means to be alive and be a human being, it just makes no sense. We should all stop listening to those articles and uh, all that, all those opinions about what the, the millennials want. It's, it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. And we have six times more data in our database than you need for a PhD to back up that statement. Now, uh, radio and uh, television uh, and and other broadcast entities, they sell advertising to uh, marketing agencies, advertisers, you know, so on, uh, media buyers who are conditioned um, for the most part, to buy based on age. So how do we move to a place where 
um, we can program to values and expect that the money will follow. Yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a bit of a conundrum, but there is an answer. Uh -huh. uh, the, the, there's two answers. The first one is we all have to nudge forward on this. My mission, my purpose is to provide those agencies. In fact, they're my primary client base uh, is to provide those agencies, those marketing companies, those digital firms with the information they need so they can start moving towards values-based profiling of audiences as well. So we'll move that needle really slowly all together. But more importantly, demographics and value graphics don't have to um, be, it isn't a binary decision. Demographics are still important. We're going to know, for example, for a particular product category, let's say um, uh, uh, skateboards, Skateboards are not probably going to sell too much to 85-year-old guys uh, who have a $200,000 income and, and three homes around the world. Right, and so maybe a hip replacement still, or two. And a hip replacement or two, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so those skateboards still have a defined demographic audience, but what we've been doing wrong is we've been pushing past demographics as a definition tool and trying to also use it as a profiling tool. It's fine to define your audience, but to profile what it is they want out of that skateboard, what the messages will motivate them to buy that skateboard instead of the other skateboard, that's where we're using demographics in a way that's just um, blatantly flawed at this point. We can't assume that since those 18 to 24 year olds who are interested in that particular skateboard happen to be 18 to 24, that they're all gonna be driven by environmentalism or they're all gonna be driven by trust or by family or by loyalty or by any of the other things that are in our database. Once you understand what they're driven by, what their values are, their wants and needs and expectations, then we can create that product for them in a way that's going to align with those, those ideas. We're going to be able to create campaigns and messages for them that align with those ideas. And we're going to be able to build programming in our radio stations, our television stations, that will help our advertisers talk to those folks based on what they believe and what they think is most important in the world, rather than some outdated stereotypical idea about what people are all about just because of when their birthday was. Well, you and I have both worked for, with clients over the years, and when you start talking to them about uh, speaking to fewer people, but people who are aligned or most uh, likely to consume the product or spend time with the, the broadcast operation, um, it, people get really afraid of that. Like, you know, um, but that I think in the future is really where the uh, major uptick starts is when you start speaking to the right people in the right way, it doesn't matter uh, that you might have 20% less audience if you have, you know, 80% uh, more engagement, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I fully understand what you mean. I think though that what we need to be pointing out to everybody who's working in the industry uh, on both sides of this fence, uh, the creation of, uh, of um, vehicles in which advertising can run, as well as the people who are buying that space, we, what we need to be pointing out is that the statistics that we have around these, uh, these, these categories that they're buying are so inaccurate. I mean, the statistics aren't inaccurate. These groups are so inaccurate that they're blowing 70, 80, in some cases almost 90% of their budget on people who have no um, relation to each other. So it's impossible. They're, they're already spending a significant portion of their budget, let's say 80%, just for the sake of the, the actual stat is between 76 and 89% uh, uh, less effectiveness 
around using demographics as a way to target your financial and human resources. So they're using this flawed system. They're wasting money. They're throwing it out the window. Just adding a little bit of information about what their customers actually care about, what they give a damn about, what they'll get up off the sofa for and go out to the store and buy a thing for, is going to improve their efficiency incredibly. And again, I'll back to our, stat, our database, improve your efficiency as much as eight times by using these things. So it's not about reducing the size of your market. It's about energizing your market and about your market becoming even more um, more engaged and larger because we're not using these really incredibly flawed tools. So when we go into the database and we start looking around to see what we know about people uh, and what their broadcast use um, profiles are. So again, we're starting with psychographics here, not even demographics. We have two core groups that show up that are on polar opposite ends. There's multiple shades of gray between these two, but there's the absolute non-users. And then there's another group that we're going to call heavy users. And here's just one of the things that our database can tell us about those two groups. There's tons and tons of stuff. Remember, there's 75,000 surveys and 380 variables to go through. But this one, as it applies specifically to broadcast, is quite fascinating. So non-users, um, or rather heavy users, are attracted to a really repetitive entertainment experience. They like things to be the same. And in fact, if you look at the rest of the profile, what we know about them, their jobs have been very stable. They're in a relationship. They've been with the same person for a long time. They're quite traditional and quite stable and settled. The uh, interesting thing is non-users are very experience-oriented. They want to see new things and try new stuff, and that goes into their broadcast usage patterns as well. They don't want things to be the same over and over again. So this presents a bit of a conundrum. You've got heavy users, which is the low-hanging fruit that everybody in the market is going to be fighting over, and what you need to do for them is don't change anything very much. They can be lured to your channel, your station, and once you've got them, it's going to be pretty hard to lose them as long as you just don't change things up too much. Non-users, however, if you want to attract those folks, and that's where the opportunity is, is to grow the pie, not just steal someone else's share. Non-users are going to become users if you keep things constantly fresh and new. So you've got one group of people who want things to always be the same, another group of people who want things to be constantly fresh and new. Now, this applies to the broadcast industry in general. What's fascinating about value graphics is we can go in for a particular station, a particular channel, and say, here's how for your uh, particular set of circumstances, you need to solve that conundrum. You can, you can find the place where those, two people, where those two groups of people overlap through the database and come up with a solution that's going to make both groups happy. So that's the, just a you know, really view from 40,000 feet from industry profile data that we have in the database uh, of how this stuff works. So what we, do, what we have here is a means of actually shaping the end uh, offering around the needs and the values of the individuals um, who you're targeting. Absolutely. And it works as well in the media world. I think that um, if we could sit down and I'm, uh, I'm, this is big blue sky stuff and maybe you and I one day will get together and, and have, a, have a glass of wine and brainstorm about this a little bit more. But, you know, if, if we sit down and think about your standard television station who has time slots that they're trying to fill with programming and they're targeting specific demographics, what if that station instead started to think about things in terms of the values that we all share 
and those those core um, uh, wants and needs and expectations that they could be fulfilling with each one of those programming slots. It still is about demographics, but this is just another layer of information that you can use on top of your demographic description to profile and understand who it is you're talking to so that you're doing it in a way that makes sense instead of these nonsensical stereotypes that were developed 50 years ago when you know society was a bit of a we used shame and embarrassment as a weapon to keep people in their little boxes yeah no kidding women you know women were supposed to behave a certain way at a certain age and men were supposed to have certain things accomplished by a certain age and uh, it was just all these rules that just don't exist anymore except in our magical boardrooms where we think they still are in place right well, it's it's a, an evolution from an expected, you know, mass, uh, you know, an adherence to a mass sort of philosophy uh, to the emergence of uh, acceptance of individualism, uh, and oh, and we need absolutely. to keep up with that. Now, yeah, I, I understand that, uh, and you mentioned it earlier. You've got ten core value sets that you've created. I understand you've uh, actually named some of these uh, profiles with uh, people names. Can you take us through uh, what maybe a few of those uh, value sets look like? Oh, okay. So what you're what you're talking about is what we refer to as the value graphic archetypes. Yes. Now, I have to give you just a little bit of a disclaimer here. So this is featured in my book that's uh, your book plug coming up. Red alert. Please do. Um, there's a book coming out in about eight weeks. Uh, it's called We Are All the Same Age Now. It'll be available on Amazon and you go to valuegraphics.com, you can sign up and I'll send you an email and let you know when it's up there. But in that book, I needed to find a way to talk about this incredibly complex database we've built. This is a big data tool. This is 75,000 surveys times 380 variables. If you think about that, the analogy I like to use is it's a giant bubble bath and every bubble in there is a data point. Now that bubble bath forms into, into peaks and valleys. It's like a mountain range. Now, in order to talk about this somehow for a book and make it make sense, all I've done is randomly chosen the 10 tallest peaks, the 10 places where our values, wants, and needs tend to revolve around a particular, think of it like a magnetic variable. For, that. for one reason or another, we have no idea. Further study might be required. These 10 things seem to make people rally around the flagpole on all those 380 variables. One of these top 10 groups, the group we've been talking about is uh, the, the name we've given them is the Environmental Assembly. Uh, we've given each of these top 10 biographic archetypes a name because, after all, what we're trying to do is replace this in the boardroom with talk about boomers and millennials and Generation X and Zoomers and all these other silly names that are coming up about these groups that mean nothing anymore. So we figured we needed cute names, too. So this group is called the Environmental Assembly. They're 17% of the population. And despite the fact that they're incredibly... Uh, educated, they want more education, they believe in personal responsibility around this and all other issues. It was fascinating to me that the way they wanted to learn about better ways to reduce their own carbon footprint was through direct mail. It seemed counterintuitive. Direct mail is about a piece of paper being delivered by a guy that lands in my mailbox. That sounds like the least um, environmentally friendly way to go about. Yeah, just think uh, of it. Uh, just think uh, of the uh, printing, the trees, the uh, the emissions, the, you know, 
all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're also very, very um, not uninterested. They said they're extremely unlikely to be participating in any social media activity. So I think about all those environmental groups out there who are relying entirely on social media as a way to talk to the constituency they're trying to talk to. Um, they're barking up the wrong tree. Uh, all the, the, and, and those groups, bless their hearts, are, are trying so hard on such limited budgets to make change happen. I hate the idea that they're wasting their time. Uh, and that if they shifted over to, for example, broadcast media, uh, or, or in this case, very specifically, the highest ranked uh, response was direct mail, they'd be using their, their time and, their, and their, their, their energy and their, and their dollars in a much more efficient way. Wow. Well, listen, I, I could talk to you all day. Um, it, it, we've just even scratched the surface here on uh, what value graphics in addition to demographics can do uh, in terms of uh, informing, uh, you know, broadcast, but also um, allowing uh, broadcast to serve advertisers as well. So uh, I really appreciate your time. And, and tell me, uh, how can people in the broadcast community engage your services? Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a few different ways. Um, the book will be out. Uh, we are all the same age now. It's called The Book Will Be Out in Roughly Eight Weeks. Uh, I'm finding publishing is uh, uh, <laughs> everything takes longer than you think it's going to take. So uh, roughly eight weeks to the book. The book includes a very, very simple tool that anybody can use for the price of the book to do a little bit of a value graphic profile of any audience they want. There's 10 quick questions and a scoring guide. And it gives you like the equivalent of a scribble on the back of a napkin. At least you know you should be heading north instead of south. And even that's better than using demographic stereotypes that don't hold water in today's society. Stepping up from there, you need to get a hold of me through valuegraphics.com. We can talk about the two or three different ways that we can uh, go into our database on your behalf and pull out a custom profile that's specific to your station, to your channel, to your brand, uh, and uh, give you a really amazing, robust profile on who you're talking to and what they want to hear or see and what messages are going to motivate them the most. David, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Sean, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a wonderful day. David Allison is principal at David Allison, Inc., Audience Activation Advisors. He joined us from Vancouver. I'm Sean Smith. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. Looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.